Jody Vance in for Mike Smith. We're calling this Tetro Tuesday. It's literally the subject line in my rundown here. Our producers have put it together and strategically created this next hour of our program to welcome back to the show our good friend, microbiologist, and um, a man with a specialty in studying emerging pathogens like COVID-19. This is not his first rodeo when it comes to pandemics. He, of course, is Jason Tetro, thus the title being Tetro Tuesday. Thank you for doing this, Jason. (laughs) Great to be joining you as always. It's so um, important that the conversations surrounding uh, what we're in right now continue. And that's why we want to open up the phone lines for this next hour. Uh, there are no stupid questions. There are no questions that are offside. Uh, every question that a listener brings to the table is one that many others uh, who don't feel comfortable maybe calling a radio station are wondering to themselves. So please feel free to ask whatever question uh, is sitting in your thought locker and 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 bothering you or, or giving you that sense of, I'm really not sure how this is all unfolding. I want to ask an expert. Here's your chance. 604-280-9898, star 9898 is a free call on your cell phone. 604-280-9898, your chance to ask the microbiologist with a specialty in studying emerging pathogens, anything about COVID-19. The phone line's open right now. And Jason, you were listening in just before uh, the break here when uh, Keith Baldry mm-hmm. was was speaking with the with the woman who was talking about the the half dose, full dose, a booster dose of Moderna is supposed to be a half dose unless you're what age. And she was confused about it because her mother, who is I believe sixty six, received a full dose of Moderna, uh, and she was curious as as to why that is. Do you do you definitively know what the protocol is? Yes. Yeah, so there are guidelines that are put out uh, to healthcare officials um, to explain to them which. Uh, individuals should be given either a half dose or a full dose. And again, this is just Moderna, okay? If it's Pfizer, BNT162B2, it's always going to be full. So what it comes down to is normally it's people who are over the age of 70. However, if there are any other immunocompromisations somewhere inside of that medical history, it is up to the um, deliverer to decide whether or not they may go to that full dose. And the reason that we do this is because we know that with Moderna, that full dose of 100, it is a wallop. And as a result of that, the half dose will still give you a really good response, maybe without walloping you. But if you don't have a strong enough immune system, you're going to need that little bit of an extra kick in that concentration to be able to get you to that level of immunity that we need to be able to protect you um, from Delta, specifically 93%, and even from Omicron, which is ranging around 40%, which is about the same as we would see every year with the flu. Okay, so Laura Lee sent me an email while that conversation was happening with Baldry's Beat, and she said, Laura Lee said, I'm 67, and I ended up with a full dose of Moderna. I've had asthma and lung issues before, and the nurse mm-hmm. is ad- who was administering said, you're at risk, so take the full dose. Perhaps with uh, that caller's mom, it was just dependent on whether their conversation was what her past history was. So b- basically what you just said, it, there's yeah. no hard and fast rule, but that's why the people who are administering these doses are actually uh, those who have worked in in healthcare in the past and not just somebody who's learned how to draw from a vial and inject. Right. And that's the other thing you have to realize is that in British Columbia, you need to be trained 
in order to be able to provide a dose. And it's not just the training of putting it into a 25 gauge, one and a half inch needle and putting it in the arm. You have to do the slap, remember the slap. You have to actually also understand medical history. You have to understand where this person is coming from because we've we've been talking about personalized medicine for well over 10 years and how many people have actually seen it? Well, this is what personalized medicine looks like. You're gonna get the dose that is right for you as an individual, but you need the training to do that. And when I went in for my booster dose and I just went into the Italian Cultural Center, they asked me for my vaccine card, my little cardboard piece of paper, and I gave it to them and they looked and it said Pfizer, Pfizer. And I said, so in my head, I'm like, I'm probably getting Moderna. And I said, so what mm -hmm. am I having? And they put a little flag on it and sent me into that row. And she goes, it's Pfizer. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, uh, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> you know better yeah, well, than I. I'm going to just go with what I'm told, you know. Yeah, and we don't we don't have that same shortage issue that we were having even three weeks ago, where people right. were like, you know, Moderna is really going to bear the brunt of the of the vaccine because we we just don't have enough of the Pfizer. No, no, no. We now have enough coming in. Um, and remember, we also had to be sure that we were getting enough for our kids, which is actually a third of the dose with respect to the BNT Pfizer. And as a result of that, you know, we had to kind of figure out what the um, deliveries were going to look like. We were focusing more on the kids, and that's why Moderna was taking over. But now we're at a point where it's like, there's vaccine everywhere, and hopefully we, you can just um, sign up on, on, the, on, the, um, on the web form and get your appointment. Okay, so we also had a caller during Baldry's Beat that I think you can uh, add your expertise to. Then we're coming to the, the live callers on the phone board. I see you there, 604-280-9898, mm -hmm. star 9898. Uh, but Chris in Langley, he's not an anti-vaxxer. He's had his two doses. He's looking for the booster dose. But he also is feeling the frustration of the... Um, the science behind breakthrough cases and test case positives and hospitalization. Here, I'm going to let Chris explain it. Here is the question that Chris and Langley brought to the table. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Keith, I don't know if you have the numbers or the answer that I'm looking for, but uh, double vaxxed, trying to follow this thing, uh, trying to understand it, just like you, basically. Uh, before Omicron, we had Delta, uh, we had the waning immunity uh, issue, and we started the booster program. Now we got Omicron, and this is immune evasive. This is a variant mm -hmm. that evades immunity, and 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 infecting vaccinated people and people previously being infected. So where, how, like, and, and it also it relates to uh, less severe outcomes. The, the disease does mm -hmm. not the, the vaccine. So and it goes back to Delta too. How do we give credit to the the vaccine? Like in the past, when it was ninety nine percent people recovered. And now we get people who get it and they say, wow, you know, I, I went through it. I almost died, but I survived thanks to the vaccine. So that is Chris in mm -hmm. uh, Langley. And he was he, he was alluding to, you know, do we even with this being milder, with Omicron being milder, because people are starting to just say this is like a cold. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I really think it, it requires your scientific expertise to explain that. Yeah. Okay. So let's just start off with two doses where, where Chris started off. Okay. So okay. with two doses after four months, you would have about a 40% um, effectiveness against uh, Delta. All right. Okay. If you got a third dose, you went up to 93% effectiveness. If you got a breakthrough, you probably had five days of sniffles and maybe a bit of aching and you were fine. Okay. Now for Omicron, Two doses, 
Forget about it. You said you were at the Italian Center. Um, yeah, I was. I was. Oh, three, geez. <laughs> yeah. So three doses, okay, 40%. Yeah. And like I said, that's about what we have every year with the flu. And the reason I say that is breakthrough case, you are going to feel like you had an H1N1 flu. It's going to give you chills. It's going to wallop you the same way you probably felt when you got that booster dose, if you got the full dose of Moderna, and it's going to last between five to seven days. Are you going to probably end up in a hospital? No. Now, in terms of hospitalizations, all right, the actual level of hospitalizations of Omicron versus Delta, and this is for unvaccinated, is 60 to 65% less. Same thing with ICU. If, however, you are vaccinated and you are vaccinated for three times, the level of hospitalization, whether it be Delta or Omicron, almost goes down to nil. You have to wow. have some kind of immune problem, immunocompromisation, in order for you to be at a point where you're going to risk hospitalization. And this is where that term incidental hospitalization is coming in, because people feel unwell. So they're going to go to the hospital because they're really concerned. And what they find out is that, you know, you actually do have a, a positive for COVID, but that's not the reason you came in. The reason you came in is because you just felt unwell. Right. I'm Jody Vanson for Mike This Week with Jason Tetro, microbiologist with a specialty in studying emerging pathogens like COVID-19. And we are with Jason until uh, the bottom of the next hour. We are going to go right through with your calls and questions and the phone boards are stacked. So let's get right to them. Very patient you have been, Robert, in Maple Ridge. You're up first. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for taking my call. Uh, the question I have, I, my first dose I took was AstraZeneca. My second was mm -hmm. Pfizer. So for the booster shot, could I take Pfizer or Moderna or does it matter? Doesn't matter. Uh, there's actually been a study uh, in The Lancet where they looked at seven different types of vaccines and used them as boosters for AstraZeneca, Pfizer, whatever you... It basically brings you up to the same level. What, what is most important is that you somehow had exposure to what we call a full-length pre-fusion spike protein. And that comes from either Pfizer, Moderna, uh, AstraZeneca, or the Johnson & Johnson. So if you got one of those four in your first or second shot, eh, you're good to go with any of the boosters. Feeling good about that answer, I bet, Robert. Thanks for calling in. Let's go to Jeff in Surrey. Jeff, you're up next. Welcome to the show. Hello. Can you hear me okay? We can. Yep. Okay. Uh, I had the primary series uh, of shots, April and uh, July 2020, and just got notified to get my booster. Um, but I also just had COVID. So I had a positive test in December, December 20th. Do I still need to get a booster and why? Yes. Uh, the reason that you want to get a booster is because even though you ended up having the COVID infection, okay, it's not going to stimulate your antibody response to help prevent those breakthrough infections. So what's going to happen is after your symptoms have resolved, okay, you want to give yourself a few days, probably five, and then you're going to go and you're going to get yourself that booster shot or, or at least book the booster shot. Um, the reason, again, is because you have two levels or two arms of immunity. The first one is antibodies. The second one is T-cells. When you get infected, we have now learned that your antibodies are eh, not that great, especially against subsequent variants, but they're really, really good at the T-cell level. So you get that booster to help prevent you from having any kind of symptoms whatsoever. 
And we just had a back and forth uh, with a listener who hit me up on Twitter DM that I ended up putting to you on an email. Fiona had a similar question because she didn't know that, uh, what the science was in terms of how many days out from that positive test or that negative test after having had that positive uh, mm -hmm. COVID experience, regardless of what the symptoms might have been like. Uh, is there a standard yeah. amount of time one must wait from that first negative test after infection before having a booster? Uh, th there's no gear, there's no sort of regulation, as it were. There are only guidelines, and they do vary depending on where you are. Um, the one that I prefer is you want to give yourself five days after you've resolved your symptoms, um, whether you've taken a, a rapid antigen test or not, because at that point, there's a very good likelihood that you have such a low level of viral load, you're not going to be spreading it to somebody else. And that's, you know, if you've got your mask on, it's also going to be good. Some are saying 10 days after the initiation of symptoms. Well, the symptoms are usually about five days anyway. So, I mean, it all kind of rounds out. It's just that wait until the symptoms are done and then give yourself a little bit of time and then go for it. And then that's that's sort of playing it safe. That, that whole concept of the precautionary principle, that's where it comes from. It's a good one. Okay, let's go to, oh, longtime listener and uh, someone who loves to call on the program, Benny in Abbotsford. Welcome, Benny. What's your question for Jason? Yes, there's a saying, Jason, strong survive and the weak perish. How does this new Omegran uh, virus affect people that plug their face with junk food, drink excessive alcohol, smoke cigarettes, have a very high stress level. Does this compound the situation? And nobody's ever mentioned any of these things to basically keep your immune system strong. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good question. Um, we All of those things essentially fall into different comorbidities, right? So um, excess weight and uh, large amounts of um, insulin resistance, the, the, there's cardiovascular problems. I mean, every one of us have some kind of problem that's happening inside of us. That's just natural, okay? What you want to do, though, is you want to look at how that affects the T-cell response, and what we find is that in many cases, it's already known well in advance, once you have been diagnosed with a particular chronic illness, that you are going to have some kind of compromised immune system. If, however, you don't seem to have any of those concerns, okay, then I don't think you need to worry about it. Now, here's the thing that is most important for you, Benny. Will it lead to what we call sequelae, other symptoms down the road? And this is where we're doing research as we speak, because we've heard of this thing called long COVID. And long COVID is just simply persistent sequelae. That's what we call it. And does that actually relate to any kind of lifestyle? It's probably going to be at least another three to five years until we have the answer to that. But what I would say is that the healthier that you tend to live, the likelihood is that you are probably going to be in a better shape to be able to deal with any kind of infection, not just COVID. But if you don't have three vaccines in you, you're not going to do a heck of a lot, regardless of how healthy you happen to be. Yeah, not having the chance to to uh, to get beyond it might be the exactly. issue if you don't get vaccinated. That is definitely the overarching messaging, uh, no matter where you are on the planet. Uh, when it comes to long COVID, do we have any idea of numbers? Like, are there percentages at play as to how many cases 
out of all of the cases of COVID-19 that have been identified in, in our country or globally for that matter, how, what's the percentage that end up being long COVID? Yeah, so persistent sequelae seem to be happening in about what we call 20 or one-fifth of the population. What that is, is a statistical number based on all sorts of different types of real-world data. However, a paper just recently came out, um, I think it was a few months ago, where they actually looked at the concept of long COVID in a Facebook group. (laughs) And what they found was that out of almost 2,000 people who responded, okay, only 24 people had actually considered themselves to be um, in in a long COVID situation. Only one of those ended up actually going to hospital. So the statistics may be grossly overestimating the actual quote-unquote long COVID that we're seeing in the public. So when you hear that 20%, just remember that's statistical. It may be a lot lower, but no one wants it anyways, right? Jody Vanson for Mike this week. We have Jason Tetro, microbiologist with a specialty in studying emerging pathogens, taking all of your calls, all of your DMs, your emails, Jody at cknw.com. If you have a question, a burning question about COVID-19, about booster doses, about really anything to do with the science surrounding COVID, here is your opportunity to ask the expert. 604-280-9898 is the number to call, 604 280 9898 or star 9898 is a free call on yourself. And Jason, uh, let's pull up a seat here because all of the people (laughs) who were on the line prior to the news to 11 have waited uh, patiently for their opportunity. So let's get to uh, Michelle in Richmond. You're up first. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you for answering my question. I did call in a while ago and spoke with Jason about what can we and can't we or should we safely feel we could do. And that was prior to Omicron. So I'm wondering if we can get an update. In particular, (laughs) I have a 21-year-old daughter who's, you know, we're all suffering through this, but there's some age groups Mm -hmm. that maybe are suffering a little bit more. What can my daughter do safely that she can keep her mental health and her sense of self while protecting me who's approaching 60 when she Mm -hmm. comes home. Okay. The answer I'm going to give you is probably one everybody has been asking me for the last week and a half. And that is, you can do absolutely everything you've been doing up until now. Just wear a mask that fits a bit better so that you have a complete seal around your mouth and your nose. The reason I say that is because we know that COVID, SARS-CoV-2, spreads in the air. What we didn't know was what the minimal infective dose was, because with flu, it was a thousand. So we just wore flimsy masks and boom, flu was gone. With the original SARS-CoV-2, we could wear cloth masks with two layers and not have to worry about it because the minimal effective dose was about 300. It was about 100 for Delta, okay? And that meant that, well, maybe there was a little bit of leakage, and that's when we started seeing a little bit higher of a breakthrough. With Omicron, it's kind of around the same lines as, well, rhinovirus. And masks don't really stop rhinovirus unless you have that full seal. So we want you to go from cloth masks and the little blue masks, the the, the surgical ones, to like KN95s or, I mean, if you can get fit tested, N95s, right? The ones that have that nice seal 
is going to be able to protect you. It's going to be able to protect the loved ones. And then you can continue doing everything you were doing during Delta. That's the only difference. The minimum effective dose has gone down. And people searching, I see a lot of it on my social media right now, Jason, a lot of people searching for mm -hmm. a, a particular brand or a particular level of protection when a mask, they're hard to come by at this point because yeah. people are scooping them up and what have you. But if you can just get a really well-fitted, tight, you know, um, what, what what was it Dr. Conway said, if you hold your hand a few centimeters in front of your mask and blow mm -hmm. out and you can feel it on your hand, it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of your test. No. And and that that having it up against your, your cheeks and pinched on your nose and you know how many people are just wearing something that's gaping know, in front of I them, know. right? Yeah. So. Well, I mean, and honestly, the thing is, is when people tell me I have to wear a mask, remember, for the last ever I always been wearing scarves, neck tubes, all of those things because I didn't want to get the flu or rhino when I was traveling around the world. So basically, yeah. I had sick people around me all the time. So now, of course, they're telling me I got to wear this KN95 and I'm staring at them going, do, do you not? You don't like the fact that I wear something that has a complete seal and it has three layers and they know they want to see the mask, right? Yeah. So yeah. the reality is that we, we've got to a point where we have this collective efficacy, as we like to call it, where everybody now expects to see a mask. It's just like being in the Far East. Oh my goodness, I'm in the Far East. I'm wearing my usual stuff. They're staring at me like, oh, okay, I'm doing a bad thing. Put on a mask. Hey, how's it going? So that's where we are now. So make sure that you are looking at getting that seal mask. But if you can't, okay, then you want to have a minimum of three layers, all right? And you want to make sure that there's absolutely no gapping around your mouth. That's the best approach you can take. All right. Hopefully that answers your question, Michelle. Let's go to Susan in North Van. Susan, welcome to the show. What's your question for Jason? Hi, I am one of these um, immune compromised people. I got my back for my booster on October the 7th. And I'm wondering, you know, how long is that good for? Because that was such a, it seems like that was such a long time ago now. Also, mm -hmm. the mask that you just talked about, N95s. I'd love to get one, but you can't. No, and, you know, and N95. <laughs> <laughs> well, believe it or not, there are some brands that are selling the KN95, or actually, there's now a Canadian version, so it's called Can. 99 or can 94 um, they're all going to do it remember it's about the seal that's going around your face so as long yeah. as they talk about that you have a full seal it's going to be okay it's really more about the um the surgical masks which have the side openings because remember a surgical mask is there to be able to protect the patient directly underneath the, uh, the you know in the operating theater the side eh, nobody cares so you want to make sure that you have that nice full seal and anything that you can get that has that is going to be good for you. I actually found some online. There's a Canadian company called Mask C, M A S K yeah. C, and I, I have no affiliation. This is not a sponsored post. This is not, you know what I mean. Um, mm. I actually saw it on Twitter. Uh, Kirstine Stewart um, yeah. was wearing one and said, "I love this company." I was like, "Oh, well, I need some of those." Before it was before Omicron, I just thought, "Oh, those are great." And then I went to the site and ordered a bunch, and I'm really glad I did. Not expensive, not cheap. They're not cheap, I got to mm -hmm. say. They're not like, you know, buying the the disposable ones, um, but they aren't that expensive and they do have that fit. So M-A-S-K-C as in cat. Um, mm -hmm. Check that out if you'd like. But I mean, if you Google around and you kind of get the idea of that sort of fitted vibe, um, you'll be able to find them somewhere. It's getting keyed in on, you know, medical grade. It's like, well, leave those for the people in healthcare. I think that's an important piece. Exactly. We're going to get to the and rest of our callers. Just... Oh, yep. 
I was just going to add very, very quickly, as sure. for October 7th being your booster, yeah, it's been oh, a little yeah. bit of a while. Talk to your doctor and see if you can get yourself in for um, a fourth because you do are you are immunocompromised. So therefore, you may actually find yourself fitting in along with some of the older individuals for that fourth. Okay? I almost forgot about that piece. Susan, does that put your mind at ease? Oh, Susan, is she there? I think she's gone. Anyways, mm-hmm. let's hope. Oh, <laughs> Susan in North Van. Susan, are you there? Yes, I did. Okay. I will talk to my doctor. Jody Vanson for Mike Smith. It is Tetro Tuesday here with Jason Tetro, microbiologist with a specialty in studying emerging pathogens like COVID-19. Lots of emails, DMs, and phone calls coming in. Questions for Jason, always at the plenty. 604-280-9898. Star 9898 is the number to call. Boy, we got some patient people hanging on the line. We're coming for you right now. And we begin with Donna in Nanaimo. Welcome, Donna. Thank you. Thank you. I was um, shown a video last night from YouTube that uh, the director, president of the WHO, was saying we were killing children with the vaccine, with the booster. Now, I don't Uh even think most of the children have had the two vaccines, let alone a booster. But this video was apparently on YouTube and has since been taken down from YouTube. Do you know anything about that? Uh, no. And uh, I, I actually know the people at the World Health Organization personally. Um, I, I was with them uh, for Ebola and I was there in 2019. Um, yeah, that would not have been them. So I don't know what the video was, but uh, I would just say ignore it, move on. You got to consider the source when you uh, receive propaganda. Um, oftentimes, you know, we we open up uh, ourselves by throwing our email addresses out there or being on social media and what have you, and we'll get people who will give a long thread of what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? And oftentimes <laughs> looking at the links, though, Jason, that's the that's the big key here. Oh, yeah. And the consider the source, some- right? Well, it's not just that. They expect you not to know things. Um, you've heard about this Robert Malone guy, right? And yeah. oh my goodness, he's the mRNA vaccine inventor. Well, actually, no, it was invented in 1978 by a couple of guys from a totally different university. He just didn't cite them in his 1989 paper, and therefore everyone thinks he's the one that did it. The reason that he didn't cite them was because those people de- deserve the credit. And now he's all whiny and complainy because he didn't get any credit. Well, surprise. That's the type of thing that people don't understand when they just get an email saying, hey, look at this video. Yeah, the context matter. That's why real world data is so huge in what we're experiencing right now. Let's go to Ellen in Abbotsford. Welcome, Ellen. What's your question for Jason Tetro? Hi, thank you so much for doing this show. I'm so grateful for it. Um, I just heard heard your answer about when someone should get a full dose of a Moderna instead of the half. Um, I had the half booster dose of Moderna on December 21st. I'm 65. Mm -hmm. I have asthma. I had COVID and pneumonia at the beginning of the pandemic, which took me months to recover from and get chronic uh, bronchitis kind of every year. So now I'm realizing I... I think I should have had the full dose. And what do I do now? <laughs> well, well, actually, the, the thing is, is again, um, it's personalized, right? So your situation may be different because um, even though we'd say someone has asthma or someone has bronchitis, it's going to be very different depending on the individual, okay? And so they would have felt that a half dose for you would have been enough to give you those antibody levels that are going to be able to deal with uh, the, 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 the virus. 
Um, so I think in that sense, don't necessarily second guess based on what you're hearing on the radio. This is really where you want to talk to your healthcare provider and simply say, hey, look, you know, I heard this. Is there any reason why? And then if your healthcare provider says, you know, come to think of it, maybe we should have, then you can start moving towards some kind of future action. But again, I'm sharing with you data. Um, your personal experience is is very, very personal. It's It's yours. <laughs> And Ellen, not a bad idea to, to book an appointment. You can do a virtual appointment with your physician and just talk that through and they will be able to look at your file and say, you know what, Ellen, I think you're good. Or, you know what, Ellen, let's book you for another half dose of Moderna. So let's, uh, you're, you're so welcome. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate yeah. you and for the kind words. Jill in Delta is up next. Welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you for taking my call. This is awesome. I have been trying to find out I had COVID through the holiday. And um, I'm now on the other side. I had my booster dose booked for January 2nd, was unable to do it. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering now, how long do I have to wait before I get my booster since I've had COVID? Yes. Yeah, so when did your symptoms start, uh, finish? They finished. Well, I'm still sort of having some symptoms, like a, mm -hmm. like a cold feeling, sinus feeling. But uh, yeah. so I got contact and got it at, on the 23rd of December. My mm -hmm. quarantine was up on the 30th. And so, you know, I'm still sort of. You're 12 days out. Yeah. 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 And so according to the guidelines, you can just call and get your booster shot right now. But f I would definitely suggest, you know, wait till you feel better. Because the last thing you want to do is get walloped and then have a wallop wallop on top of that. Yeah. So, you know, give yourself uh, a f uh, those five days afterwards, then make the call, get your booster shot. And, and I think you should be good. And for the record, did you have any severe symptoms because you have been doubly vaccinated, right? Yes. Uh, severe did you have anything symptoms? severe? No. I uh, had a, a brutal headache, a brutal sore throat, barely any cough, but the fatigue was profound. Hmm. which is exactly what you will have. And that's what we call a mild illness. And I want everyone to understand that. When we say mild illness here, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's rhinovirus mild. Like it's not 24 hours and then you're back to normal. It's no. still going to knock you out for a good week, two weeks, just like the flu H1N1 used to do. Okay. Yeah. It's just that you're not being, you, you don't need that hospitalization that a lot of people do simply because you can still breathe. If yeah. Severe breathe, illness is a, a respirator. Hospital. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Jill. Thanks for the call. Alan Surrey, you're up next. Welcome. Oh, hi. Um, is this me? This is yeah. you. Hello. Hello. Okay, Hello. great. Um, I uh, wanted to say first Happy New Year to both of you. Um, Thank you. you I've had, I'm an older gentleman, uh, 70 plus. I've already had two doses of Pfizer and I'm reluctant in some respects to get the booster. I don't quite understand a lot of what uh, we're, we're continuing down the path of more and more shots here, it, it would appear. Mm. Um, a lot of people are, are poo-pooing the thing uh, because of potential affecting our natural immune system. Is there any, uh, do you feel, uh, Jason, that there's any truth to that? No, there isn't. And the actual data supports that. If you rely on your natural immunity, okay, what's going to happen is you're going to get sick and then you're probably going to feel really, really down. Like we're not talking Jill. We're going to talk about worse than what Jill was going through, what she just discussed. And then you may end up recovering three, you know, two, three weeks later because of your T cell response. Now, if you get the 
the booster, you may not even get a symptom because your antibody levels will be high enough to be able to prevent that. And like I said, right off the top, okay, if you got a booster dose, then you are 93% effective against Delta. You are 40% effective against Omicron, just like we have when we do flu shots every year. But if you only stick with the booster where you are, or where, sorry, with the two shots where you are right now, you have zero chance of being able to fight Omicron. Forget about it. And you have about a 35 to 40% chance of stopping Delta.